Sorry. Author Chuck Chrismeyer. It's a one-hour match in front of me. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. The General Assembly of the Church of Scotland will soon be dropping the terms husband and wife from its marriage ceremonies. Well, these days there's no husband or wife because the church is planning to dive headlong into affirming same-sex duos. The question is, is any church actually Christian if it bans terms such as husband and wife from marriage ceremonies? Welcome to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chrismeyer. Today we're taking a look at marriage. And uh, I trust that by the time our program is over here today, you are going to be greatly encouraged, not because of the statistics, but because of the hope that we are going to provide here on Viewpoint today. You don't marry one person. You marry three the person you think they are, the person they are, and the person they become as a result of being married to you. Laugh out loud, right? The person they become as a result of being married to you. Today we're going to take a look at what that might mean. We're going to actually give a serious plan for hope, for marriage hope, and not only recovery, but uh, strengthening and joy in your marriage. So I hope that you will stay tuned, my friend. It's conversation as always. With ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. I have, however, an article in front of me called Marriage is Crumbling and Churches are AWOL. Over 60 years after the decline of the rate in marriage began in 1960s due to the rise of the free love mentality, the results are more dismal than ever. In 1960, only 28% of adults were single. Now, almost 50% of adults are single. And marriage rates are at their lowest ever in U.S. history. So you're hearing that divorce rates are dropping. Well, that's true. There are two primary reasons. Number one, marriage rates are at their lowest ever in history. In other words, much fewer people are getting married. And in addition to that, Many are cohabiting instead of marriage. Combining those two, you have a situation where marriage is in deep, deep trouble in the land of the free, increasingly becoming only the home of the brave. Cohabitation arrangements break up about five times more frequently than marriages, and unplanned pregnancies occur three times more often with cohabiting couples than with married couples. But what should be most alarming for Christians is the decline of relationship health that is now the most significant factor in disrupting your relationship with the Lord. This is why church attendance is at its lowest rate ever on record in the United States, 47%. In 2000, just 22 years ago, it was 70%. Church attendance is largely determined by one variable, parental marriage. Both children with unmarried parents and divorced parents were equally likely or less likely to attend church. 
And unfortunately, pastors don't seem to realize that they're not doing a very good job in this area. Churches, as you know, spend a great deal of money on youth programs, but it's not helping people stay in church. The young people are leaving. Why? Does it have anything to do with marriage and divorce? Indeed, it does. And so today on Viewpoint, we're going to be taking a look at that. Yes, in order to look at marriage, we also need to look at divorce, but we also need to look at why people divorce and why they don't divorce. First of all, you need to know, we all need to know and admit that marriage is ordained by God. It's ordained by God. It was the second uh, creation ordinance. The first was the Sabbath, and the second was marriage. What God has joined together, man must not put asunder and don't say that because you got married and now you're not feeling very good about it that God didn't put it together. You made a vow, and as the Scripture says, better it is that you not vow than that you vow and not keep it. Don't say before the angel it was an error. (laughs) That's right there in the Bible, friend. So, yes, indeed, yours truly is uh, sensitive to those who are struggling in their marriages. If anyone could be sensitive to that, I think I could be sensitive to that, having spent 20 years in the private practice of law, where 40% of my practice was in the area of family law. In the largest family law court in the nation, the Los Angeles Superior Court System, how many times, how many hundreds and hundreds of times have I walked down the marble corridors of the Los Angeles Superior Court in downtown Los Angeles or in all of the eight adjunct courts around uh, the county of Los Angeles and experienced the cry of children Mommy, mommy, please don't do it. Daddy, daddy, please don't leave. It's just very painful. I know what it's like. 80% of my clientele came from the broader body of Christ. I have seen the underbelly of the body. And the interesting thing about it is that once people had come to me as a lawyer looking for a Christian lawyer, what they were looking for was not really a Christian lawyer at all. What they were looking for was a Christian who would ordain what they wanted to do, no matter whether or not it agreed with God or not. And that was very painful. Very painful indeed. Some people would say, well, why why in the world then, if you didn't believe in divorce, why in the world would you handle uh, those cases? Well, why did Moses do it? Why did Moses allow the people to divorce because of the hardness of their hearts. That's what Jesus said, because of the hardness of their hearts. So I did everything I could as a Christian lawyer, a truly Christian lawyer, to lead my clients to see things differently, to help them to see the problem, the error of their own ways in bringing them to the place of such a painful decision to leave their spouse. Very few, very, very few were willing to agree with God's viewpoint. Very few indeed. But you're not divorced, hopefully. And today on Viewpoint, we're going to see what it is, how 
you can avoid that dilemma. And even if you are on not on the edge of divorce, how your marriage can be revitalized through seven very unique, enduring secrets. That's right. And so I hope you'll hang in there, friends. Your marriage is the church in miniature. And God calls it a great mystery. The mystery portraying Christ and his church right here on this planet. Question. How is your marriage doing in portraying the relationship of Christ here on earth? Good question, isn't it? We'll be right back after this. Stay tuned. Again, you're listening to Viewpoint. Viewpoint does determine destiny. Our viewpoint concerning our marriages is determining destiny, the whole destiny of a nation. We'll be right back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Even Benjamin Franklin weighed in on our marriages. He said, the happy state of matrimony is undoubtedly the surest and most lasting foundation of comfort and love, the cause of all good order in the world, and what alone preserves it from the utmost confusion. You want to find out why we have such confusion in our country today? It's the breakdown of our marriages, period. And they're breaking down for another reason, that is, we've forgotten the vows that we made, and we're no longer living in the fear of the Lord. Therefore, we feel that we can do whatever we jolly well please, whenever we feel like it, because after all, it's all about me anyway. Right? Wrong. It's not all about me, it's all about the greater picture that God had in mind for your marriage and for mine. So this is what we want to talk about here. It's a mystery. God calls marriage a mystery. In fact, the Apostle Paul referred to marriage as a great mystery. And everybody loves a mystery, right? Mysteries are intended to be solved, to be discovered, and to be revealed. And that's God's heart and his desire for each of us, for you, for me, for all of us. He desires and he intended that our marriages here on earth reflect and reveal his plan, his purposes, in fact, his glory. So, your marriage and ours, that is my wife and I, is intended to be and is the smallest unit of the church. It's a holy unit. And therefore, marriage has been referred to as, yes, holy matrimony. But unfortunately, our progressively ungodly and rebellious culture and natures has been striving for two or three generations now to remove the holiness from the matrimony. 
therefore removing God from the marital equation and leaving marriage only about me. And the severance package that's offered in divorcing God from our marriages has been, it hasn't been pretty and it hasn't been satisfying. So, when we marry God, by his Holy Spirit, he unites us as one before him. So in reality, we are two in one. So when my wife and I became one in Christ by the Holy Spirit, it was like a holy trinity was created on earth to display or reflect on earth an image. An image of the glory of the triune God in heaven, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So it's here that that great mystery should become increasingly apparent both to us as married couples and to those observing our life together. So, it's important before we set forth these uh, seven secrets of marital success, we have to realize that our marriage together, your marriage, my marriage, has immeasurably greater import from God's viewpoint than just serving as the foundation for civilized society. Our marriage, while limited to our time right here on this planet, is to make a holy declaration for eternity. For we are married not only to each other, but betrothed to the master of all creation. So, I want to share with you a motto that the Lord gave to me and my wife about 20-some years ago, that enables us to live out that holy calling in a practical way. We've been married now for 56 years, 55 and a half years. And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like any other journey. You have those elements that are high points and those elements that are lower points and even low points but you're still still on the journey. For us, the low points came at around, the lowest point came at about seven years because the two of us were both engaged in education. I was working full-time and going to law school every evening and reading and briefing cases ad nauseum for four years. Well, there wasn't much opportunity for intimate relationship during that period of time. We were barely surviving. My wife was going to college, and I was uh, going to law school and working full-time, and it uh, it was strenuous. So when my wife came to me after about seven years of marriage, she said, Chuck, I don't have any more feelings for you, and it scares me. Well, it scared me, too. It sure got my attention. But marriage isn't about feelings. Marriage is about faith. It's about living out a vow by faith and trusting the Lord that if we will do our part, that he will help us to do his part and that our marriage will not only last or endure, but it will endure lovingly and joyfully and fulfillingly. And that's exactly what happened in our marriage. We have now been married, as I said, 55 and a half years. And on the 50th anniversary, we produced a book. In fact, for our 50th anniversary, we produced a book called Lasting Love, 
Enduring Secrets for Marital Success. It is a beautiful book. Talk about a gift. This book is so beautiful in and of itself, but the contents of the book are even more beautiful. In fact, I just really believe that the message of this little book is so powerful and so encouraging and so life-giving that every single new married couple needs to have one and those who have been married need to as well. Just like Kathy and I needed to have this revelation made to us by the Holy Spirit concerning this, this, this motto, which are the essence of enduring secrets for marital success. So, that being the case, let me uh, make it available to you. It's a $14 hardbound book. As, actually, it's one of the, it's like a padded hardbound book. It's a beautiful small book, and uh, you're actually going to love it. But uh, it, it's yours for only $10. $10, a life-changing marriage-changing book. Remember, you don't marry one person, you marry three. The person you think they are, the person they are, and the person they become as a result of being married to you. So what needs to change in terms of what your husband or your wife experiences as a result of being married to you? That's what we want to talk about. And this marriage motto that I want to share with you, it has done wonders for our marriage. And Kathy and I trust that it will do the same for you. We're going to keep it simple. We've got to keep things simple so that we can keep them continually before us. And uh, here is the summary of this motto. And then we're going to apply it. We're going to... Uh, demonstrate how it actually works in our lives so that lasting love can become a dream. Well, can be a dream that comes true. But love requires more than a dream. It requires decision. And as much as we love that loving feeling, you know, the song, I lo- I've got that loving feeling, love is a whole lot more than a feeling. In reality, Love is an act of faith, a continuous act of faith lived out according to a God-defined plan to achieve a God-defined purpose leading toward a God-promised destiny. And remember that the Bible declares our marriages to be a great mystery. They have meaning and purpose. So we want to unlock that mystery. We want to... You see, mysteries are to be solved. They're to be revealed. And God wants that to happen in our lives. So I want to share these seven points with you that I think will have that effect. And when you get the book, it's going to be applied. These seven points are going to be applied in very, very practical ways so that you can see exactly what they mean and how they work. So, first, in an attitude of gratitude, 
In an attitude of gratitude, we will consider one another, purposing daily to prefer one another, to pursue one another, to praise one another, to protect one another, and to pray for one another. There you are, seven separate points. But first of all, I want to talk about this matter of gratitude. Gratitude is an attitude. Fawn Weaver made a statement. She said, the doors of happiness remain locked, and there is but one key that fits the lock. Gratitude. I cannot, I I have to tell you, I just cannot overstate the importance of gratitude. Now, I've always known that. We all know that we should be thankful. The Bible tells us in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you. But, yeah, we know that, but are we really thankful? No, not really. Because if we were thankful, if we really lived with an attitude of gratitude, it would make things much, much different, different, particularly in our marriages. And that's exactly what happened in our marriage. God had to reveal to me as a Christian man who had grown up in the church, who had majored in religion and psychology, undergraduate, he had to reveal to me in a very clear way the incredible importance of gratitude. It's an attitude. Gratitude has basically been waning in our Western world now for a very long, long time. And in the me, me, me generation, it's, it's become almost meaningless. But when I began to reveal or began to see and understand gratitude, and my need to communicate gratitude to my wife, Kathy, with specificity, not generality, but specificity on many, many things. I had to break the sound barrier to do this. And even after practicing law for so many years, even after having counseled people, marriage counseling, Throughout Southern California, my wife and I had done marriage seminars up and down California. Still, the revelation of the power of gratitude came as almost a shock. Gratitude, the key ordained by our Creator to foster and facilitate godly relationship, beginning first with my relationship with the Lord. And then on earth in my relationships with others, but especially with my wife. It was when, when I began to see the importance of gratitude and implement it with my own mouth and breaking the sound barrier and expressing gratitude, it was amazing. It was like putting love potion number nine, so to speak, on our marriage. The godliness of gratitude. As husbands love their wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, a husband, through the faithful verbalizing of genuine gratitude, loves his wife and causes a responsive heart of gratitude to meet the husband's need for honor and respect. So, as wives submit themselves to their own husbands as unto the Lord, with a continually expressed attitude of gratitude toward the husband for his loving service and provision and protection, 
the husband is prompted to perform more fully out of gratitude for the kind honor and respect shown and verbalized by his wife. And I'm so glad that uh, before my wife left for a ladies' Bible study uh, this morning, and before I headed out uh, to do what I needed to do to prepare today, my wife actually verbalized gratitude to me with specificity, and it warmed my heart. It's not about me. It's about the other person. In everything, give thanks. We need to recognize little things. We need to appreciate small contributions. We need to value the other person, express it. We need to encourage and sincere sympathy. We need to engage relationally rather than informationally. And the antidote for ingratitude is always gratitude. It's unbelievable, friends. If you applied that one alone, your marriage would change dramatically. Oh, but that was just one out of seven. Stay tuned, friends. This is Viewpoint. And Viewpoint will determine your marriage's marriage's destiny. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, saveus.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived, Save America Ministries website at saveus.org. Marriage and divorce statistics reveal that roughly every 36 seconds in the United States, there's a divorce. Amazing. But if you were to go back to 1867 to 1879, that period, there were only three-tenths of a percent of divorces. Three-tenths of a percent. It's unbelievable what has happened. The United States according to U.N. statistics, has the third highest divorce rate in the world. How could that possibly be when we say we're a nation under God? Don't you see what's happened to our country? And it's happened in our churches. I've watched it happen from 1968 when Ronald Reagan, there as governor of California, inaugurated the no-fault divorce uh, procedure. And then I began to watch it happen as I was practicing law, beginning to practice law in 1975 there in Southern California. I watched it happen in the church. The church began to follow the method, the methodology and uh, clamor of the world. So as divorces became more and more commonplace in the church, then by the end of the 1970s, remarriage was becoming commonplace. When God, Jesus called it adultery, when your spouse is still living, the church was authorizing it and embracing it from pulpit to pew. 
as that took hold and became normative in the 1980s, then came the homosexual movement. When that became normalized, then came homosexual marriage. When that became normalized, then came transgenderism. As transgenderism is becoming normalized, now comes bestiality and pederasty. This is how it works. Gradualism. And now, believe it or not, the most significant reason for the steady decline of divorces since the 1980s is that marriage is just not being entered into by huge numbers of millennials. They've seen their parents' marriages fall apart. They've seen their parents not keep their marriage vows. And so they're afraid of marriage. Then again, the prevalence of divorce for people over the age of 45 continues to be on the rise, believe it or not. So for under 45, it's because they're just not getting married. They're cohabiting. For over 45, it's just that they're giving up on marriage and cohabiting again after 45. 2,400 divorces taking place in the United States every single day in this country. Pretty amazing, isn't it? But we don't want to uh, focus on divorce for the rest of the program here today. We want to focus on life. We want to focus on joy and peace. The kingdom of God is righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. We want the Holy Spirit to truly be part of our marriages. But there there are some keys for that to happen. So that's what we're doing. We're, we're looking at those keys to enable that to happen. The first one we found was gratitude, the rebirth of gratitude in our marriage. So with an attitude of gratitude, we will consider one another. Now, when you consider one another, that means you have the other person on your mind. You have them in your heart. You're thinking thoughts about them. Just like God said to us, I know the thoughts that I have toward you. They're thoughts of peace and not of evil to give unto you a hope and a future and expected end. God wants us to have our spouses on our minds, on our hearts, not for evil, but for good. And we consider one another. So consideration is actually birthed in care. And when care, that genuine care, reveals the true heart of a husband toward his wife and the sincere respect of a wife for her husband. So the tenderness of consideration, then, becomes the womb in which the seed of sexual consummation is planted for ultimate pleasure. Yet consideration is intensely practical, and it's purposeful, not for personal gain, but for God's glory. So when we say, I care, it has to mean something. It's not just a general feeling. It becomes an act. To consider is an act of my mind and my heart. 
It requires an intentional refocus of my thoughts and concerns from myself to my husband or to my wife. And it doesn't happen automatically because selfishness is inbred, inbreded into each of our hearts, isn't it? So if we're truly reborn in Christ, that means that we then are in a position to truly, lovingly consider our spouses. So consideration involves seeking the joy of our partner, striving to please without compromising principles, submitting to greater good for a godly life, choosing relationship over rights, choosing responsibility over self-justification, choosing together time over separate time, seeking agreement that produces a symphony as it relates to things like money and time and activities and what we wear and relationships. So this matter of considering one another is a very big deal. So with an attitude of gratitude, then we consider one another. When do we consider one another? Daily. Daily. Not just every once in a while. Daily. We consider one another purposing daily to do five things. Actually, it begins, you see, with an attitude of gratitude because actions flow from attitudes. Did you know that? That's why Jesus gave us the D attitudes, the attitudes of being. So, the marital motto, revealing these enduring secrets for marital success, begins with an attitude. Now, if you don't have an attitude of gratitude, then you ask the Lord to help you to be grateful, to begin to develop an attitude of gratitude, even in the midst of difficulties that you're having. It can happen, and it will change everything. Believe me, it will change everything. And as a result of that attitude of gratitude, then we begin to consider one another, purposing daily to do these five things that I'm going to share with you. Now, These are marital secrets for enduring success. It is all set forth in our small book, beautiful gift book, called Lasting Love. It's a $14 hardbound book, yours for only $10. This is a life-giving book. This is a marriage-restoring and strengthening book, a marriage-healing book. And it will also help us in our relationships with the Lord, with our children, with others around us, because these secrets also are at the heart, in many respects, of the whole life of the church. Because marriage, you see, is the very smallest microcosm of the church. A husband, a wife, and the Holy Spirit. Three in one. Again, the book, Lasting Love. 
on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. And uh, I do not think you're going to be disappointed. Now, if you don't apply it, you'll be disappointed. And if you just get it and put it under your pillow at night, you'll be disappointed. But if you read it one small chapter at a time and begin to apply it, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. What's going to happen is amazing. Jerry Meckant said this, you can't ever be happily married to another until you get a divorce from yourself. Ooh. In other words, if you think it's all about you, you already are on the road to marital destruction. Not all about you. You can never be happily married to another person until you get a divorce from yourself. Very, very powerful. All right. Now we're going to take a look at the first of these five preferences. The first is to prefer one another. Prefer one another. Isn't that exactly what the scripture says concerning the church? In honor, we're to prefer one another. Well, how is that going to happen in the church as a whole if we don't do it in our own marriages? You see the point? What we do in our marriages becomes somehow the very heart throb of the church itself. You can't expect people to prefer one another in the broader body of Christ if we don't prefer one another in our own marriages, can we? So this is a critically important part. With an attitude of gratitude, we consider one another, purposing daily to prefer one another. Oh, but there are four other things that we need to do. One is we need to pursue one another. Pursue one another. I wonder what that means. You know what it means when you go back to uh, how you, you were when you were going together. Men, didn't you pursue your wife? That frisky filly out there, didn't you pursue her? Ladies, some of you pursued your guys, too. Let's talk about it. We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. 
Do you pursue your wife? Do you pursue your husband today? Oh, you did when you were going together. That's almost a guarantee. That's how you actually ended up getting married, isn't it? You pursued one another. You didn't just fall in love. You pursued one another. You longed to be together. You reveled in relational time. Whether it was by letter or by telephone, maybe by Skyping, but nothing compares to personal presence. No, personal presence is what we long for. You know, we sing that song, Oh, the glory of your presence, we your people give you reverence and so on. We're supposed to be married to the Christ, right? Oh, the glory of your presence. We want him and his presence, but we don't give our presence to our spouse. So we're actually short-changing, short-circuiting the marital relationship that God intended to bring him glory. We need to be in hot pursuit of our spouses. If we had that attitude, with an attitude of gratitude, can you imagine what would happen? It's very popular these days to talk about how God pursues us and his people. That his love reaches out to us while we get sinners and so on. But in truth, a significant part that a husband plays in the marital relationship is to present his wife glorious, holy, and without blemish. To pursue her as the great mystery of marriage is unfolded. It's amazing. It's been said that the greatest weakness of most humans is their hesitancy to tell others how much they love them while they're still alive. Then all of a sudden there's a funeral and the tears flow and oh, what a great person it was and so on. How about now? The heart of the matter is always my heart. And I'm prone to pursue my wife, Kathy, with my heart and mind when they're turned with favor toward her. And as I pursue her with patience and persistence, then her heart is warm toward me as her husband. And in the same way, Kathy responds to seek me not only for what I can do for her, but rather for what I am to her. And the hot of their pursuit? Well, guess what? The warmer the relationship. And that's how it works. Seven secrets of marital success. Secret number five. Praise one another. Praise one another. Praise is potent, friends. We talk about the praise of the Lord. The importance of praising the Lord. Well, there's power in praise. Not making up false statements to try to seduce our spouse to do something for us. That's flattery. Flattery works ruin. But real praise is potent. It's transforming. And in one sense, praise has to come out of a heart of gratitude. 
Otherwise, it's phony. So we have to have a renewed heart of gratitude. Praise then can become like a healing balm that can save a marriage that is on life support. As a husband, I have to be honest. Now, I just want to be very transparent here that for many years in our marriage, praise came very hard for me. Um, I suspect that it was because of selfishness. It was also because of things that I experienced growing up. Uh, I just didn't see or hear a lot of that kind of thing coming from my father. I loved my wife. I was committed to her till death do us part, but my tongue seemed to be tied when praise should have come forth uh, very freely. So how could that kind of attitude have prevailed for me? But it did. But when I began to experience the amazing power of gratitude, it freed my tongue to be able to speak praise, not flattery, for my wife. And guess what? She responded to me, and it loosed her tongue of praise. And it becomes reciprocal. It goes back and forth and back and forth as we encourage and praise one another. An attitude of gratitude is the foundation of it all. And if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, then think on those things. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, then think on those things. Someone said that any home can be a castle when the king and queen are in love. Hmm. Interesting. No matter how, how what the size is, any home can be a castle when the king and queen therein are in love. True. So number six, protect one another. Now, this covers a lot of things. It's not just a matter of a husband providing a roof over the head or food on the table. Those things are important, but they're, they're kind of fundamental. And the family is only as safe as the marriage that forms its foundation. So unless we protect the family, our nation is unprotected. And unless we protect our marriages, our families are unprotected. Do you see how this works? So our nation is falling apart at the seams and has been since the 1960s because we haven't protected our families and our marriages. So a secure marriage, then, secures the home. And a secure home secures the nation. And a secure nation, nations secure the world. But a secure home is a protected home. Now, you might be thinking about surveillance cameras and all that kind of stuff. But that's not what we're talking about here. Parents who protect, who purport to protect their children, but who have failed to protect their marriage and spouse are building a fool's paradise. Love and a good and godly marriage truly go together like a horse and carriage, as the song said. So, how then do we, as married couples, minister protection for each other and for the marriage? 
Why do our children feel protected? Our children feel protected when we protect one another. When do your children feel unprotected? When your marriage is not being protected. When do you as a wife feel most vulnerable or unprotected? And why? Why do you as a husband feel most vulnerable or unprotected? Why? See, a husband's protection causes his wife to feel loved. A wife's protection causes her husband to feel respected. And those feelings then underlie relational facts that secure our marriage. When Kathy, my wife, honors and respects me as her husband, both privately and in public, she walls me about in a womb of womanly protection. Her favor then undergirds my faith and motivates my heart then to serve both her and our family as well as to the family of God. That's how it works. My wife writes about how she feels protected in this book. Hearts are lasting love, enduring sacreds for marital success. This is a book that we wrote together. Now, I'll tell you, our marriages are assaulted by all kinds of dangers, obvious, some of them are insidious, and it requires vigilance to protect godly values to ensure marital victory. Pornography, friends, you allow that to come in, men, and you're not protecting your marriage or your family. You're breaching that protection intentionally. All kinds of physical dangers abound out there, financial dangers. If we expect God to protect us, then men, we need to protect our spouses and our families. Now, finally, we need to pray for one another. We really do. We need to pray for one another. Prayer is powerful. We believe in prayer. Prayer binds our minds to the mind of God. Jesus prayed to the Father. We need to pray to the Father. We don't pray to Jesus. We pray to the Father. There's power in agreement in prayer. When husband and wife come before God in heartfelt prayer, then our minds and our hearts are unified in agreement. We become one in spirit then, don't we? Bridging over other chasms that might have disconnected us, and we become one in prayer. A married couple, friends, in godly agreement is a powerful force in leading a godly family and a good and godly community and city and nation. And you know what the word agree means in the Greek? It comes from the word symphoneo. That's the word from which we get our word symphony. In other words, it means to sound together. So if you want your home to be a symphony, then... Husband and wife need to sound together so that there's harmony in your home. I'll tell you. They say that the family that prays together stays together. 
but I'm going to put it a little more tightly. The couple that prays together stays together. One of the greatest benefits, one of the greatest revelations that the Lord gave to Kathy and me years ago, about 20 years ago now, is that we need to spend quality time every single day. Now, I was doing that myself for the first 25, 30 years of our marriage. Every day, my family knew where to find me, always before the Lord, always in his word, for at least an hour, every single morning early on. Then the Lord showed to me how I had been depriving my wife of this special kind of fellowship. So I went to her and I said, Kat, I think that God would have us to dedicate ourselves to purpose together, to come together every single morning for the rest of our lives, to spend time in his word, to pray together, to apply these things together. And so we began. It has been, my wife says that it's the most important thing that ever happened to our marriage. She feels so at one with her husband then. It was one of the things that she had craved, this feeling of being together in our presence, rather than just talking informationally about different things going on in our lives. Now it was relationally with each other and with the Lord. Every single morning, I fixed the coffee in advance the night before. We allow nothing to interfere, nothing to interfere. And if I'm out of town, or she is, we do the same by telephone. It's amazing. Lasting love, friends, enduring secrets for marital success. What a gift this would make. I mean, here we got Valentine's Day coming up, too. What a love gift this would be to each other. Yes, to each other. It's a $14 hardbound book, yours for only $10. On our website, saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Lasting love, enduring secrets for marital success. Become a partner, friends. We're preparing the way of the Lord for history's final hour. Even today, this is how we do it. Let's get with the program. God bless, and may the Lord bless your marriage as never before. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring victory.